0: hello everybody welcome back it is maintenance day and oh boy we sometimes when you when you make a wish wishes do come true it's it uh, i you know i I know that sounds like fiction uh but really it it does happen because after our episode last week we were like oh boy we we might need some help for the the following week because uh we were about maxed out for what stuff we were going to be able to do what we could do and boy, oh boy, thank you Sabres for coming through for us. And by us, I mean myself and Lance Lesowski of the Buffalo News. Lance, hello. Welcome back from vacation.
1: Oh, thank you, Joe. And of course, and I guess we should thank the Bills as well. No, With no news on yeah. the Bills front, it gave the Sabres plenty of runway to make it an extremely <laughs> busy couple of days from the news side of things. But, you know, one of these announcements we did anticipate coming at some point, I guess two of them. Um, yeah. Well, one was a surprise, and I'll start with one of the uh, the uh, ones that was rumored on the internet and well-known for a bit was the return of the mm-hmm. Goathead.
0: That's right. Yes, the red and black logo from the late 90s, early 2000s is, is coming back as a third jersey this year uh, for 12, 12 nights only. You know, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Well, maybe if they're Sunday games, probably not. But, uh, but yeah, the, the red and black is back uh lots this 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 whole thing is fascinating because this was supposed to be announced uh a year ago or last season i should not a year last at late last season this was supposed to be announced which i believe was supposed to be throwback night uh against what washington i think it was Can't last remember. season yeah uh, either way yeah. but it was the throwback night was the night they were supposed this was supposed to be announced and it was supposed to be a big what to do and that it just didn't happen for whatever reasons, it, did, it didn't happen. But like everybody was, everybody had heard enough, and people that were in the know were just kind of like, "All right, well, we know this was coming." Right? You know, I mean, twenty six shirts even had a even had a goat head shirt yeah. in anticipation <laughs> of it, and then it was just kind of like, "What do you mean it's not it's not being announced? What are you talking about?" So, yeah, but yeah, it was it was supposed to be a, a last year announcement, uh, but you know what? Saving saving a bullet like this for the dead of summer, right before. Uh, all hockey stuff starts to really get going. Not a bad idea either because now it's really fresh in everybody's minds and everybody's pumped up about it. And I, have, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not, ai I was never like, I get the attachment to it. I understand it. I I, I don't know. I an I'm an old fuddy duddy type with this stuff. And like the old logo is the best logo, but I, I get, I get the attachment. I get why it's appreciated. And it was still pretty cool for nineties, black and red stuff.
1: First of all, complete total speculation, I would assume that the timing of the announcement would also help with selling tickets right now, especially yeah. certain packages, right? I mean, so, I mean, if you announce something like this late last season, you, you can't really take advantage of the momentum of the announcement compared mm-hmm. to when you can now. Uh, and that you bring up a really good point. It's interesting to hear the different views of this decision and the attachment to the goat head it was used during an era where the team obviously had a lot of success, but then you, you have people questioning, well, you know, should, should they recognize that logo? Should they bring back something else, especially when they went back to the original, you know, personally growing up, you know, in the nineties, when I fell in love with hockey, you know, in the early nineties, like the goat head was always a very memorable logo, right? That those Sabres teams in the late nineties, you could say what you want about, you know, they were very good teams. The 99 team deserved to, to be, a, you know, they earned their way to being a deep playoff contender. I think there's a lot of fond memories. It's just really, it's funny to look back on when it was first announced, that logo, the color scheme, the complete overhaul under, uh, what was that, Gal- now after when he purchased the team at that point, uh, right? That they was, were leaving the odd, uh, they were getting into the new arena. Uh, I
0: believe the Goathead hat. Are oh, you talking about the Goathead or the... Uh- go ahead the goathead the goathead goat happened under John Regis
1: ah there you go Regis first because, because
0: it was it was red and black which were the same colors of Adelphia cable
1: ah there you curious, go
0: curiously enough but uh but yeah that happened that happened uh, that happened under uh, John Regis uh, very criminal <laughs> of uh, of owning a hockey team. he wasn't I don't know well I, I guess your opinion matters on whether he was criminal and owning the hockey team, but he was certainly criminal in other aspects of, of having a lot of money to do stuff. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, that's where that came from. That's why the, I mean, it just so happened that the colors matched what most teams were doing in the nineties to be hip and cool was to, you know, red and black and basically say like, Hey, the Chicago bulls look really cool. <laughs> How can we be kind of like that, but not the bulls. Like, it's lot well, all- we got a buffalo, like well, it's got horns. All right. That's good. And it's good. And it's good. It's snarly and mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. It's great. Okay. Okay, good.
1: Let's just go with it. Objectively. I've always thought it was a really cool logo. I've, I've, yeah. I've always liked the jerseys. It's, it was a clean look. Mm-hmm. Um, And of course red and black isn't what you think of when it comes to the Sabres long-term, but Hey, it's a third Jersey. Those are always supposed to be fun. And just a mm-hmm. reminder to everybody, they're also getting a reverse retro that, you know, is rumored to be the goat head as well, but in different colors.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it, based on those T-shirt leaks that were that were getting around from from fanatics. Uh, it looks like it'll be a blue and gold goat head, which I, I imagine would be pretty easy to do. You just take one of those jerseys, the you know the, the 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 home or the road one, which back then it was the home white, road black, until you know like a f- couple of years into that, then it flipped, but. Uh, but pick one of them, and then just do that with blue and gold and and all that, and you bingo, bingo, bango, you've got a pretty sweet jersey. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's year of the goathead, and I love the team calling it the goathead, and just finally like relenting and just being like, listen, we know this is what you guys are calling it. We're not there's, <laughs> no, there's no other name to call this other than than the goathead, which has me excited for when ten years. 10 15 years down the road when they bring back the uh, the turd burger
1: jersey, they're like you guys asked for it it's the turd burger. The players love the goat head. I mean oh, yeah. going back to Sam Reinhart he would always wear the goat head logo hat. You know I've seen Jeff Skinner wear it. Like the guys love it. We all heard Alex Tuck's comments. Mm-hmm. So and every once in a while why not do something that you know your players are going to enjoy and right. My question for you, Joe, is when it comes to the reverse retro, would you rather would you rather see another version of, of a goat head used or the slug? I don't think
0: people are ready for the slug. Oh, yet. too soon? <laughs> I, I don't think people are ready for that. I think people are just starting to get warmed up to it again. Because I think it's been enough time because they what they ditched it in what, 2012, 2011? It only it didn't last very long. It was it was four five six years tops, um, and then they were just kind of like, all right, well, we're gonna go back to uh, the old logo, but like add silver and put you know more stripes and pit stains in the jersey. People <laughs> like pit stains, right? It means we're hardworking. It's like 20, having a
1: blue, blue collar, but like not, it's it's gray pit stains. Twenty ten was the last year of the slug. And I know that you know, fans who growing up, those that era that era, you know, those years right then and there were their teams, their sabers. So I especially that that age group, I think would love them, but you're probably right. Maybe too soon. Yeah, I mean
0: think about it. The first season of the slug was two thousand six-seven. And then they were done with it in 2010. It was it was pretty universally shunned, you know. Especially, I mean, outside of Buffalo in particular, I, they sold a ton of slug merchandise. Like people bought it like crazy. They sold so much of that stuff. I mean, of course, it helped that you know the team won the President's Trophy the first year that they wore it. Like I, it's it's hard to really hate something that you have a lot of success in. I mean, well relatively you know they had you know one of the best seasons in team history um certainly not the results but like you know you have a team that that was that was that fun that that won as much as they did and and you know had you know had such great play that yeah of course people are gonna love it you know there's so many Miller and Briere and Drury Jersey those uh like all those like all the ones that people were mentioning as like the who they remember most in the red and black I was just like, no, guys, those are the slug, those are the slug people. That's, that's who they are. That's the slug the- people, <laughs> <laughs> like a like a horrible sci-fi like movie, like MST3K is going to do. It's the slug people. Um, but yeah, like I don't, yeah, I don't think people are ready for it. I think people are starting to to warm up to it now. Because I think people are buying that stuff now on eBay or finding it in second, you know, secondhand shops and stuff, and being like, "Yeah, this is cool. This is getting cooler again. Like this is neat."
1: I have to give the Sabers credit because there were a few items on fans' checklists in recent years on what they wanted to see from this team. From in, in terms of the marketing, in terms of something as small as you know what you might deem as small, and in, in terms of a jersey, and they've they've listened. They went back to to the original color scheme. Of course, you know you, you have the, the head coming back. The arena is another topic that we'll get to on another podcast during a slow week. So that's on the negative side of things. But in terms of these, they listen, right? Because they could have brought back some awful jersey. Because, I mean, go look at the Detroit Red Wings reverse retro or uh, some of what the yeah, New York Islanders have done with their thirds. And this could go badly. And I know that fans here have seen that in the past as well.
0: Well, it's, it's funny because apparently the Islanders reverse retro is going to be the Fisherman.
1: Love him. Which, yeah. which
0: everybody again like hated yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I spe- and, but that was hated most by Islanders fans because Islanders fans were like, "What are you doing? Changing our you know the, our winning great logo?" Which it is the the Islanders logo is amazing. But there wasn't anything wrong with the Fisherman. Oh yeah. The fisherman logo is pretty damn good. I love All the jerseys right. too. It was just ill timed. Uh, very poorly handled. And those teams weren't that great. I mean, it was Mike Milbury Islanders. So, you know, go figure, but, um, but, you know, trying to sell like Eric Fischo jerseys, you know, or, well, it was Luongo. I think Luongo wore the Fisherman for a year, maybe. So Ziggy like Palfy
1: their- is what I think of when it comes to the fishermen. <laughs> Palfy definitely is, is
0: yeah. fisherman fisherman era. Um, but yeah, but like, but like people are people are hot on that now. Like they they did it for like a like a pra- like a warm up jersey uh, a year or two ago, and people were like, oh my god, where do I buy one? And it was like, okay, the I were like, all right, we'll sell these things again. Which I'm like, did you just break them out of like old, you know storage because you put them away somewhere? Because people <laughs> were just like, I hate this, get it rid of it. Um, and then they just get, they just find like an old box of them. They're just, all right, just break them out again. That's, that's fine. What's old is new again. But I'm, uh,
1: but, I'm very yeah. curious. I'm very curious to see what the final goat head looks like. The new the new third jersey won't be revealed until early November. They're gonna wear it for twelve games, but it builds momentum for the team. Hey, capitalized in the last two months of last season, mm-hmm. and uh, it gives people another reason to buy tickets. And you know what? I think the NHL needs to be much more receptive about about when, merchandise, about jerseys. The NBA has these, those teams have so many jerseys and the teams make a bunch of money off of selling them. Why Why shouldn't the NHL do the same?
0: Yeah, it's it's an easy money winner, which I, again is baffling that they don't do it because if there's anything the NHL loves, it's, it's getting easy money. And listen, the NHL fans spend an inordinate amount of money on jerseys because we love them. Like, it's just part of being a hockey fan. You just love having jerseys. I mean, for Christ's sake, I got 80 of them sitting in a closet right now. Like, let's, let's, you know, let's not be, uh, let's not be, you know, blind about this. But, geez, I, and I know people will just be like, oh, there's a lot of, a lot of really bad NBA ones. Like oh yeah, of course there are. Like, not everything's going to be a winner. But the really good ones, the really good ones last a long time and they stick around for a long time because they're so good. Sometimes, I mean, plenty of teams change them to their, to their, to the one they want to wear the most. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, these are not hot takes at all. Like, these are, these are, these are ice cold, lukewarm takes, if anything, please just relax on us with this. But like, really it's, it, it, it baffles me that, they, that they, they just don't want to do more of these. And I, and I, and I get like back in the day and this was one of the dumbest things that, that ever happened was, uh, the, the, one of the reasons why they switched to dark jerseys at home was because teams had so many third jerseys they want to wear them at home, and teams didn't want to bring more, bring both sets of uniforms with them on the road. And it was like, uh, okay, but like, how long are your road trips that you're always having to worry <laughs> about this? You know, I mean, West Coast teams, yeah, I can see that being an issue, but like East come on man like give me a break with that stuff but like i'm i'm full on board with going back to white jerseys at home or just do what the hl does just do half and half for the season but like oh man like dude like, like it just wear as many jerseys you freaking want like just get it right and do it right if you sell them for one year great if you sell them for nine years cool like you, you found a good you found a good thing to do
1: it's another way to connect with with your fan base too yeah. it's in in particularly NHL. It's important to do that. You, you know, you're marketing the game. Isn't as easy for, for the NHL as it is the other pro leagues mm-hmm. jerseys are a perfect way to do it. I think the goat head is a, a home run idea. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the marketing behind it, how they unveiled them and whatnot. And uh, yeah, another big win for the fans and Joe, that was one of the, the developments that we expected to happen, you know, yeah. in the weeks leading up to training camp. Well, the other news that came out this week was a little unexpected, wouldn't you say? Uh,
0: yes. And to say I think it caught us off guard would be putting it politely. I, I want to say. Uh, and of course we're talking about Tage Thompson signing a seven-year, fifty million dollar extension, uh, to stay with the Sabers because his contract was going to be up after this season. He was going to be an RFA, so you know everybody chill. It wasn't like he was going to be running out of town. Uh, but <laughs> they took care of him. Seven years, fifty million dollars, and boy, the reaction was different. The, whether if you were, you know, in you know, like one of us who's in Buffalo and gets what's going on or outside of Buffalo, just looking at it from a raw statistical perspective and going, what are they doing? This guy's had one year and you're dropping 50 mil on him where everybody here is like, yeah, no, this makes sense. This is actually, actually the smartest thing they've done in a while.
1: (laughs) What's interesting is you didn't hear, you didn't always hear that reaction with other contracts around the league. Um, Mm -hmm. Josh Norris is one example. I'm thinking of Jack Hughes and and Nico Heesh here. They were paid Mm -hmm. after only one season in the NHL. And at a very young age where those organizations didn't really know how those players are not only going to develop physically, but how they are going to develop, you know, maturation-wise. How are they going to evolve into leaders? The Sabres know what they're getting in Tage Thompson. You know, mm-hmm. although it is only one year, we're going to see more and more contracts like this, Joe, because general managers are going to be forced to be aggressive. Look what happened in Calgary this summer. That's going to scare general managers. They watched the flame, the heart of the city get torn out by the Flames losing Johnny Gaudreau and Kachuk in the matter of, Mm -hmm. what, a week, 10 days, something along those lines, or at least it it felt that way from an outsider's Mm -hmm. perspective. And now you're going to see GMs, I think, be much more aggressive in trying to sign a player in a position like Thompson's, where he's still a year away from restricted free agency, but as he gets closer, and if that production continues as they expect, the Sabres only lose leverage and Thompson gets closer to unrestricted free agency.
0: Sounds, uh, that scenario sounds awfully familiar. Where have I heard that? Oh, right. It was Sam Reinhardt.
1: Yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. They, you couldn't walk, you couldn't lead yourself into having the same situation come up where, you know, like, you know, okay. His contract ends after the season, he's an RFA. So you don't have to worry about him going somewhere. And you're just kind of like, Hmm. Yeah. We were thinking, uh, I don't know, maybe one year, I don't know, maybe two most, uh, you know, we just want to want to see where you're at. Cause, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's the smart business we're going to do. So, uh, you know, what do you think about that? And just, meanwhile, like looking at apartments in every other city in the NHL (laughs) going, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. One year, two years. Yeah, great. Just walk me to UFA if you don't mind. That'd be, that'd be really perfect if we could do that so I can get out of town sooner because it seems like you don't really care at all. And yeah, no, like this, I, I, I can understand some of the, I don't know if it's punditry or whatever, but like I can understand looking at this and going, I don't know, man, like they, they, you know, they goofed up on this before with other guys and it, and it cost them. So maybe that they're, this is an overcorrection or whatnot. I, I view this as they, they believe in him and they're willing to take the gamble. And Tage says, well, it's seven years, $50 million. Thank you very much. Um, instead of saying, you know, like taking a one-year deal and being like, okay, prove it again next year. Oh, okay, then take another one, prove it again the, the year after that. It's like, no, 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 no. Long term security is the key. And the team is the team doesn't want to walk into a situation where, you know, say he scores 45 this season, and they're like, they have to sit down at the table for that long term extension talk. And it's like, yeah, so I was thinking seven years, 77. How does that sound? Is that cool? Because that's what that's where I'm starting at. You know, like because cause that's what you're staring down the barrel at if you if you allow this
1: to go for another year. The challenge for not only both sides in this negotiation, but also those of us on the outside who are analyzing this contract is that there's no comparable. You can't look at anyone else around the league who's been paid any time in the last several years and say, okay, yes, they were in the exact same situation as Tage Thompson. No one else has been. He moved to center at the beginning of training camp last year, playing that position in the NHL for the first time. He had the breakout that the Sabres have been waiting for since they had acquired him. Three years prior, uh, he had the the shoulder injury where he, he lost a season. He didn't receive much of an opportunity under Ralph Krueger, who put him yep. in and out of the lineup, and mm-hmm. you know threw him on the taxi squad at a certain point. Mm-hmm. He's still only 24 years old, but when you, you know you look at the advanced stats and the shot is what jumps out at you last year. And there's some deficiencies that I saw some folks pointing out that oh you shouldn't pay a guy for only the you know the upside with the shot; these other areas are lacking. Oh, all this first year as a center, and if you watch the Sabers last year, and you know all the injuries they had going on, the terrible situations that team was in earlier in the mm-hmm. season, it wouldn't be a surprise to you that his analytics looked perfect. The team isn't at a spot right now where any player on that in that group is going to have flawless analytics to that extent.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah. It, you got me looking at Josh Norris's numbers and like, he's not even in the same position cause he's still not even the same spot. I should say career wise cause he's in the same actual position he plays yes. all the time. Uh, but like also find me a guy who in one season scored more goals than he had points his previous three,
1: yeah. so
0: like, you know, that 38 to 35, like that's crazy that, that like that stuff just, it doesn't, usually happen like that's just I mean, that never happens especially with a guy who changed positions and I but I, I I get why this this leads to you know some some kind of uh not necessarily pearl clutching but just some some like fretting and and you know kind of you know wringing of hands because we don't know what he's going to do next season we don't know like what how teams are going to adjust to him we don't know how he's going to adjust we don't know there's a lot that's unknown and we don't know if this is a one-year heater or this is, or this was the, the big, the opening salvo to what's going to be an incredible career. That's, that's the crazy part of this, but you know, it's also the fact that, you know, yeah, it's seven years. Yeah. And they bought up what, three UFA years, three, four UFA years. Like that costs money too. So like, you know, this isn't my way of like, kind of like, you know, Charlie day at the, at the board way of trying to find a way to, uh to say that like, actually this is a huge bargain for the savers, but it could end up being a huge bargain for him because let's face it, the cost for a center in the NHL is, is already exceedingly high. And let's face it, 7 million a year. That could be, that could end up being like the, the, the cost for a really good second line center, you know, not probably not too far into the future. If not now, like th- this is, if it works out and of course, everything's always an if, but like, if this works out the way it's, it's set up to, this is, this is a, really great, it's, it's a really great deal for Buffalo.
1: This is beneficial for both sides right now. You mentioned it for, for the Sabres. Not only do they know Tage Thompson is under contract for seven years, this is a player we believe in, a six foot seven center who scored, you know, came close to 40 goals, who the Sabres believe is going to hold, you know, continue not only that pace of production, but thrive in the, the role that he was in last year. But also, Kevin Adams, he now knows, okay, I have this much money to play with next summer. I don't have to worry about Tage Thompson in the summer of 2023. With him at $7.1 million, that gives me a lot of flexibility to pay Dylan Cousins. Rasmus Asplund is a restricted free agent next summer, although that number obviously won't become close to to thompson right rasmus dollin's an rfa in in two years you know owen powers an rfa in two years eventually if all goes according to plan for kevin Adams, you're going to have to pay those guys it's a good problem to have but having a big key piece of that under contract at a number you're comfortable with is a really good spot to be in especially if you feel about thompson the way that they do and then on thompson's side you touched on it really it's It takes a lot of risk off of his play, right? Not only the the potential for injury, but you avoid a lot of the potential distractions and pressure that a player can put on himself going into an uncertain season like this. You know, it's not healthy for anybody, for a guy to go into a year saying, I have to score 40 goals to to maximize, you know, to earn that long-term deal. So he wanted to sign long-term. The Sabres we're ready to go to the bargaining table and, you know, it took some back and forth. I'd be curious to see what, where each side set it to, to begin with. But yeah, yeah. looking at the, the contracts, like in the $8 million range, it's all guys who have, who are either, you know, the Jack Hughes, where it's, you know, one year, but also young enough to where they're ready to go with him, or it's a couple of years of consistent production. And then the $7 million a year, yeah, you have guys like Nazem kadri Gabriel Landeskog, who have... A much longer track record of production but long term they don't have the, the the upside ceiling that tage thompson has shown that he has so you know there's there's gonna be risk involved when you make a deal like this but it's not a 10 million dollar number he's still young right and when you only played center in the nhl for one year the sabers are confident that don granada is going to be their coach and as he knows thompson better than anybody they think that he continue to thrive in, in this situation
0: It's also the uh, when you get looking around at other contracts, it it got me looking back at Nathan McKinnon's insane, insanely low, low, low bridge extension that he accepted so long ago. Where he's he's in the last year, and the cap hit on it is 6.3 million. And like, you know, he's going to be UFA after this year, which I mean, whatever Colorado's going to keep him, but like to think that a guy like that who has won an MVP, who is you know, one of the top five, ten players in the NHL, is, is making so little against the cap and so little in general, it's just, it blows your mind. So you see something like Thompson happen. You're just like, well, he's no Nathan McKinnon. He's not as good as that. And it's like, well, <laughs> listen, <laughs> sometimes you're Joe Sackick and you can pull a rabbit out of your hat and just be like, listen, man, I took care of business early on and Nathan was all about it. So, you know, you can't hate me for that, but like, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, I don't I, like, this is the kind of contract that I think normally I'd be like, just sitting here just going, like, I don't know about that, but like, I I feel pretty okay with this it, with, you know, with, with everybody that they've got here in place, you know, with, you know, obviously I think Granado gets a lot of credit for this because he's the, you know, he's the guy that said, okay, let's put him at this position and let's take advantage of some of these other skills that he's got and see what happens. So, you know, I, I think as long as that mentality holds throughout, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that, you know, Don Granato is going to be here for, you know, seven, eight years, which, hey, hey, listen, maybe he will be. And that'll be that'll be an incredible thing for for the for the team and the organization. But but now it's set in stone for what Tage Thompson can do. You're not like if something happens down the road in a year or two where, you know, there's a new coach that coach isn't going to come here and go like, you know what? We need Thompson on the wing. We need him to play. Like, a power forward. like that is never going to happen again because yeah. now it's the, the The secret's been unlocked. Now it's out there. It's like, Oh, Nope. This is what he does. This is what he's the best at. And you know what? Seven, seven plus against the cap it each year for a guy that's going to do that. I'll
1: take it. A center who makes his, who's shown that he can make his line mates better. Uh, he developed consistent and you know, he, He developed chemistry with Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner Mm -hmm. doesn't have the season that he had without Tage Thompson at center. You know Mm -hmm. they worked off each other extremely well, Mm -hmm. and if you can, if you have to, if if it ends up, you know, a couple years from now, being a slight, you know, somewhat of an overpay but Thompson also helps you get more out of Jeff Skinner to help you maximize the $9 million a year you're giving that guy, it's mm-hmm. all worth it. I, I'm with you. I understand why anybody in the fan base would have healthy skepticism. There's risk involved, but there's always risk yeah. involved when you're paying a player like this. You know, The New Jersey Devils made a huge gamble by paying Jack Hughes and Nico Hischier. Teams are doing it all across the league. It's the way the league is trending. GMs the best GMs, Joe Sackett concluded, you have to be aggressive in that job. You know, you have to you have to be decisive. You have to know when it's time to pay guys because too often teams teams slow play it. They wait too long, and then next thing you know, you're losing a guy for nothing in unrestricted free agency or pulling a you know sort of a last minute trade where you just don't get equal value. Right? And with this, where the Sabers are at, I also think it's important that you know for. It's been two years now of Kevin Adams saying the line, we want people who want to be here. We want people who are committed to continuing to improve and and really develop in what we're building. Well, to go ahead and pay one of the guys who exemplifies everything you've been talking about sends a really positive sends a message to the rest of the guys in the room that like, hey, we're not this isn't just talk, right? We're not just operating on we're not just telling you guys what you want to hear, so you go out there and then we'll flip you when your contract's up.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the maybe the sneaky part of this is that it sets the bar. I, and I don't mean like sets the bar as like, you know, this is what you want guys to accomplish. I mean, it sets the bar as far as this is what they paid Tage Thompson. If you can if you can meet or exceed that, we'll pay you more. But until that, uh, he's the guy that kind of sets it in motion because like the Skinner, the Skinner contract, you have to just be like, whatever, that's that's its own thing you know, that, that has nothing to do with like what anybody here would have done. Like it's, it, it is what it is. It's fine. But then again, if you're going to score 40 every year, I think you can make a very solid claim and say like, yeah, no, you should pay me $9 million a year too. But, uh, but for like, for some of these other guys though, like you see like a 38 goal, you know, uh, you know, 60, 60, 70 point season where you're getting, you know, you're going to make seven, you know, seven years, 50 million. That's like, Hey, all right. Well, if that's, if that's where this is going to go, for your cousins, you're like, okay, now, now I know where I can go with this. Or, you know, maybe not Aspen because that, you know, Aspen's role is different, but like for these guys to ha- to know that, um, that, that amount is probably what the height is going to be unless you're, you know, unless you're Darlene or power, you know, when it comes down to it, like if you're, if you, if you're able to, to take things to like a much higher level, uh, then, then you kind of know where where this money thing is headed here, because you you know deep down this isn't a team that's gonna just throw down twelve million dollars on somebody and just say like hey thanks cool like that, that like that's probably not gonna be the case. But to know that you will get paid pretty well, <laughs> and you know it's not like seven million something to sneeze at here. It's not like something where you just kind of yeah seven million or whatever who cares you know pocket change it ain't that. But like for some you know for the rest of these guys on this team they, they kind of know. All right, this is this is this is where the bar set for us. Like this is this is where we know we can, where we can take things, and if we do better than that, we can go higher. Like we can do we can do more than that.
1: You just can't find a player with Tage Thompson's skill set, you know, and putting that at center. That shot, the the height, the reach, you know, the the seamless transition he made to that position. It would be really it would be impossible to to replace someone like that. Sure, you could find talent, but the skill set, and plus it's the person, right? I mean, Tage Thompson is, you know, go, even going back to when he first arrived at Buffalo, how mature he was, you know, and the way that he handled himself throughout everything, continued to get better, and he was always the best. You know, In practices, you always saw the talent flash. You just knew it was there, but when, when Kruger was coach and even Phil Housley to a certain degree, it was just the opportunity wasn't there for him to actually show what he was capable of. They finally have him in a good spot to do that, and you know what? You know, it's seven million dollars. I think that what he can become, it's gonna it, it can could very well end up being a bargain, and that is a very good number to have him at when you know that Rasmus Dallin's likely going to cost nine if all goes according yeah. to the Sabres plan. You know, mm-hmm. probably I would anticipate that one. There's a good chance that gets done next summer if everything goes according to plan.
0: Yeah, I, I mean he's his cap hit, in case you've forgotten, is at six million a year which he almost certainly will get a much higher amount than that i would imagine unless things go really backwards which uh, you know listen we we can't rule anything out but obviously things look like on a much more positive plane where it seems like yeah no he's the real deal again uh he's gonna he's gonna cash in for more than that but um but yeah but like that but i I, you know that's different position different you know different stuff whatever I, i get it but you know elite defensemen cost you a ton of money but like but as should a 6 foot 7 40 goal scoring center like that <laughs> that should also have to cost you a, you know a fair amount of money like that's that's just the way that should go And especially with a guy with a shot like he has both wrist shot and slap shot alike like those, those are equally wicked shots that he has um and now that he's tightened up you know it's not the big loopy um uh, wind up on any of this stuff like it's it's a more compact more you know succinct sneaky shot than than it was before like because that puck would get on you fast but if you got it, but if you're giving goalies a few you know an extra second to to anticipate and get in position they're gonna stop it he has not given goalies that that um, that kind of time now and especially when he's able to pull his hands in tight and snap it you know just kind of off the hip it's tough it's it's really tough to deal with and yeah, this is uh, I don't, it, it, I don't know. It, it's 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 fascinating to, to see this get done early because I don't think I I don't I know I wasn't anticipating this getting done in the off season. I don't know about how you were seeing things or how you felt about it, but I definitely was thinking, oh boy, next summer Kevin Adams is gonna have his hands full because he's got four dudes, he's got four or five dudes he's got to get taken care of. Now he's now it's the list is cut down.
1: I thought they would wait until next summer based on how Kevin Adams has approached these situations in the past. It's been more of a, a patience. Let's see how these things develop. But this organization has reached, I, I would say, an, the next step in the rebuild. They're not in the point where fans want them to be qu- quite yet, but they're at the point where they're ready to com- commit dollars to the guys in-house. They're not ready to commit you know, long-term deals to – A handful of guys, but Tage was at the top, you know, among those select players who are proven to management, they're going to be here. These are the players we want to be involved with. Now, there's another group that it's still an evaluation period. Okay. Are you going to be, you know, are you going to be part of this solution? How does, how do these players fit with Savoy, Kulik, Oslin, and other prospects coming up? You know, who's going to make this team in the next couple of years. So I think the next, over the next, the course of the next season or so, you're going to get more clarity on some other players on this roster. But Adam showed with this deal that right, they're getting closer to the point where, okay, now we're going to start committing to people. Now we have a, a better sense of our identities and our organization and who's going to be a part of that. Yeah. And we,
0: we've done this look at, you know, what what's coming down the pipe as far as, uh, you know, guys who are free agents and all that, but like it, it's it, it's just funny to, to look at the cap friendly page of uh, and see the contract commitments. And now uh, Thompson joins Jeff Skinner as guys who were signed beyond uh, twenty five, the twenty five twenty six season, where it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Like, you know, there's now two names in that side of the column. Whereas I think with you know, you, you look at some of the other teams where they're in kind of cap dicey cap situations. There's three or four or five guys that go that far you know down the line you're just kind of like oh man how's how's, that gonna, <laughs> how's it going to work for these guys but like buffalo doesn't they, they don't have like these super duper long-term commitments i mean and, you know even even skinner like it's four more years after this one which i know it sounds impossible but um but you know hey eight years eight years is a fair bit of time like that's that's how it goes but um but like I don't know. Like, I I just think when you're thinking of other guys coming down the down the road that you that you you can assume are gonna get those kinds of commitments. There's there's like well one two three four maybe at most four at least I should say not four at most.
1: Uh, I- would you like to? <laughs> point out which guys? Like. The group. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, well, I think it's Daleen, it's Power, um, it's Cousins. Yes. I and think. I think it, it, this is very gutsy to say, I think on my part, but I think it's also Jack Quinn,
1: you know, uh-huh.
0: with, with having you know what two game, one two games of NHL experience. But like he's a guy that I would say like if he hits the way it, they think he's going to hit, then he's he's absolutely
1: the next guy. I'm putting Samuelson in that list too, because he's somebody I would very like if I'm in Adam's seat, I would very much be willing to to get Samuelson under a contract, if not long term, then it, you know, mm-hmm. a very nice bridge deal in that sense. And, you know, this Thompson contract is the first prominent example to fans why the Sabres weren't the active team that fans wanted them to be in free agency. You know, why aren't they spending? Why aren't they getting this guy? Why aren't they getting that guy? Well, you know, they were saving their their money in future seasons. It wasn't just about this coming season. It was about the future seasons and to be able to afford guys like Thompson, you know, that $7 million hit. And that's only the beginning. I just, I anticipate them not going, you know, maybe seven years with all these guys, but other guys are going to get multi-year deals, you know, cousins next off season there's an opportunity here for for guys to certainly cash in and, and earn their key
0: now i do wonder though how how much this kind of also maybe sets sets the tone as far as you know how they do things with regard to bridge deals because thompson had a bridge deal. Yeah. um dalene got a bridge deal uh who else who else who else uh Olson, I guess you could say bridge deal. Middle Mittlestad got a bridge deal uh, as well. He might get another one too. <laughs> well, I mean, that will be an interesting. A couple years, year. but, yeah. Um Yeah, I don't I think in 2 years you kind of know what Casey's going to be, so I don't I don't know that a bridge deal is what you're looking for there, but Yoki um, Haru got bridged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Bryson technically got bridged this year, I guess. I suppose. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Bryson's not on that same He's not in that same sort of discussion level with, with some of those guys, but um, but I do wonder. Like, well, I, I guess we'll find out with Cousins if he gets bridged or if he gets something that's you know maybe like a if they Austin Matthews a contract for them, you know, where they go five years, where it takes it takes him up to like a year away from a year or two away from RFA, and you're just kind of like, all right, we're kind of walking him there, but kind of not, but we you know we just kind of want to we want to get him locked in, but also like not throw eight years on his on his head right away.
1: Yeah, this it it's gonna be fascinating to see how this goes, right? It's gonna be a contract that don't waste your time trying to analyze it within the next year, two years, three years. It's one we're not gonna be able to really get a proper gauge on several and you know, until close close to its conclusion. So it's uh yeah, it but it does it. We spoke about it on the podcast early early in the offseason on how we would approach these specific situations after what happened with Reinhardt. Adams sort of followed what we had thrown out there, signed Tage, before it's too late, and Mm -hmm. here we are. But it wasn't the only signing, Joe. UPL, finally, under contract. The two-year deal, the second year of the contract is one way, when, of course, he is no longer waivers exempt. No surprise there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the, the cap, it is $837,500, uh,
0: which when you say it that way, makes it sound like a price is right sort of, sort of thing. Um, it it is a raise, obviously you're going to get a, you're going to get a little bit of a raise on things like that. Um, it's interesting though, that it took this long to kind of get it done. And I, I assume it probably wasn't the, the main priority with some, you know, with some of the other stuff that they were, they were getting done and dealing with, you know, both, you know, when it comes to, you know, when free agency open, like you're not just going to get your RFA guy done, you know, day one, like that's, you don't necessarily need to do that then. But, you know, we're talking September 1st, it gets done and you're just kind of like, hmm, why did, why did this two year very basic contract take so long to get done? And it opens it up for conspiracy theories, which is always very enlightening. Which <laughs> very, very enlightening and filled with lots of imagination, but it does make you wonder, though, doesn't it? Like, it's you know, I mean, he does have, he's got a lot to prove. It's not like he's, it's not like he's, he's earned anything to be give, to have it given to him. Let's let's be real, but you know, delaying it out so that it's, you know, that no matter what, he's gonna get that that full full boat of money next season you know, whether he's in the NHL or not, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a prove it, but also like a, it could be a go home deal too. If it, if things don't work out.
1: It's, I don't know why it took so long. I was told there was never any doubt about it getting done before camp. There were a couple different structures, the Sabres presented to UPL's camp. And I think both sides, you know, just from the sense that I got, they just sort of took their time with this to make sure that they were comfortable with you know bonus structure or whatever it may be, but no surprise on, on what it ended up, you know, what the final product was here. It's a proven it deal. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. He's, he has a short window right now to establish himself. Like, you know, maybe at this point, fair, unfair, who know, who can really say, but he has a head start over Devin Levi and Eric Portillo on the long-term competition to be the, this franchise's answering goal. That is a good spot to be in right now. UPL's in a he's going to be able to play a lot in Rochester. There's going to be an opportunity get, for him to get games in Buffalo. There's no doubt about that. Even if Connery plays the 45, 50 games that the Sabres probably hope, mm-hmm. it's also extremely doubtful that Craig Anderson is going to be able to fill out the rest of the schedule. So, Really good development opportunity in front of him. This is his chance to seize it. The Sabres weren't going to give him anything more than he got. They they need to see him have a healthy year, place 50, 60 games, you know, be productive. You know, It's going to be difficult in Rochester with that younger team at times. They're not going to have much structure, I wouldn't think, at the start. Um, the mm-hmm. defense will help them out a bit, but up front they are pretty young. Uh, he's got the talent, Joe. It's one of those situations where – just just gotta stay on the ice that save percentage in 15 to 17 games whatever he's had is nothing to sneeze at you know it's good to bet on a kid who when he's been on the ice he's been good so you know we'll see if he ends up you know where he goes in this competition um but yeah I, it's a very short window here for UPL to really establish himself
0: yeah it's uh one or two years. That's it. It's, it, it's that big old caveat. As it, long as he can stand the ice, you know, like that's. It's so hard to hear that for you know for any player where it's like, well, if he stays healthy, dot dot dot, yeah, and you know, good things can happen from there. That's, and you, and you know, it sucks for the player too. Like it sucks most for the player, obviously, because they they're the ones dealing with it. But it's I don't know from the get go, and I don't know if this is just uh you know our own fault. And I mean, our, as in, you know, us, you know, media types, if it's our own fault for kind of, you know, getting them pumped up really, you know, really fast right away. But, you know, I, it wasn't, it wasn't like it came from a false place. It it wasn't like he wasn't an absolutely incredible goaltender at Sudbury. It wasn't like he was an absolutely incredible goaltender for Finland. You know, it's, it's like this, these weren't like, you know, these weren't observations that came from, from being like, well, he's just a nice kid. I want to say nice things about him. (laughs) You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, that sort of like, I don't know, journalistically vacant thing to do, or it's just like rah, rah for the sake of, of, you know, saying nice things. No, like he's we've seen like watched him in person play like Superman in goal behind some teams that just did not defend to save their life. And he you know, making unbelievable saves, just being, you know, just a hyper athletic goaltender and just making some stops where you're just like, Man, I can't believe he did that. Um this is where like trying to analyze goaltending and predict how things are gonna work is 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 a mayhem game. You just can't do it. It's (laughs) you can see guys that play so well in juniors or college or you know what have you, and just be like, this guy's incredible, I can't wait to see them at the next level, They're, it's going to be awesome and they hit that next level and they are not meant to be at that level at all and they j- it just doesn't translate and it just doesn't happen it's different with him though because we've seen him do it at, at the NHL level and we've seen him do it, granted very few games but we've seen him play at a level where you're like yeah, no, this guy this guy's an NHL or he can be if he can keep it together. And now it's just a question of, I guess, I, I, I guess just showing better consistency at the AHL level to make it, to force the issue to say,
1: yes, yeah, he belongs in the NHL right now. I don't think he was overhyped, and I think that he's shown us that he wasn't based on his play in the NHL, like you pointed out. He beat some good teams, and it's not like the Sabres were very good defensively when he was in goal last season. Remember, that was around the time they had the COVID outbreak, a bunch of injuries. They were very shorthanded, and he bailed them out on some of those nights. I don't agree. I didn't agree, and I still don't, with the Sabres' decision to send him back to Rochester when he returned from that injury last season. I thought it was important for him to get games at that point, especially given where the Sabres were at defensively. They were in a much better spot to where not only can you evaluate UPL, but you could develop him in the NHL. You could develop players in the NHL. That's it's part of the process the Sabres are doing it with a lot of forwards and defensemen. I didn't understand why they couldn't try to do it with a goalie, especially when they had Mike Bales on their staff and. It was right. pretty clear at that point, Dustin Tokarski wasn't their long-term answer in goals. So that was still a head-scratcher right. for me because you put him down back in Rochester where it would only be natural for a kid at that age in his position to be frustrated. And then he goes down, he plays on a team that was just, just had zero defensive structure for those final weeks of the season. They just did. Mm-hmm. They they didn't really pull together until after they acquired Mark Alt and they got healthy in the last week or so of the regular season. Then they pieced it together in the playoffs. So. I think it, we probably, we most definitely overestimated or underestimated the impact that hip surgery could have on a goalie at that point in his development. It happened right after that incredible year where, you, again, you mentioned it, Sudbury, OHL MVP, you know, top player, won the, the gold medal at World Juniors, made his pro debut with the Amherst. He was ready to go. Like, but then hip surgery happens and he starts in Cincinnati, Joe, and he wasn't, that wasn't like a five-game stint. Like he was in Cincinnati, you know, starting mm-hmm. from scratch, having to rebuild his technique, rebuild routines, you know, figure out ways to make sure he's not putting stress on that hip. Mm-hmm. It, it was a long grind, and he found his way out, you know, through the other side of it. But now it's, it's it's putting that last piece of the puzzle together, which might sound simple from the outside to say, well, he's just got to stay healthy, but man, it's a grind of a season. You got to be ready. Got to be in really good shape. So this is, nobody has to tell UPL, like, this is it, man. Like this is your opportunity to really take, take control of this. And he's got a really good chance to do it. You know, it's a good deal for both sides. Now he gets that one way. That's got to be a lot of relief on his, his side to know, okay, like, I'm going to have that NHL opportunity the next year, whether it be in Buffalo or elsewhere, because of waivers. And now it's time to prove it. Um, Training camp is going to be interesting. The Sabers would love for him to have a lights out training camp and show that he's ready. I just, you know, how are they going to balance the reps? How many opportunities is he actually going to get in games? Since the plan is already in place, you know, know, how much does Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie need to play? It's going to be a, a very fascinating balancing act for them
0: i say say um, if he has an absolutely incredible camp, and I'm not going to say does he does he stay over Comrie or any of that. I,
1: I, instead, I will ask: Do they keep three goalies? I would, if, I would, if you had the roster flexibility. The challenge for the Sabers is if both Paterka and Quinn make the team. Roster flexibility is going to be extremely challenging. Remember, you're going to have. What seven defensemen at least with Casey Fitzgerald? He's no longer waivers exempt. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, and Fitzgerald could be in that top six. I'm not singling him out, right. just that he's that one of those guys that you can't, you don't have the luxury of sending him back to Rochester. And up front, you got Anders Bjork. You know, they brought back Kinstroza, so there are a lot of bodies there that don't have that aren't waivers exempt. So. Right. That's where, yeah, you know, it's gonna. You almost know what the conclusion is gonna be. Comrie or Anderson on opening night. Those two juggling it until they can pick their spots for UPL, which is tough from a competitive standpoint to tell a kid to go into training camp and do his best when you know what the conclusion is gonna be. But hey, where he's at in his career, where the organization is at, needing a long-term solution. I'm sure there's plenty of motivation there for him.
0: I would, I would argue that he went into camp last year knowing full well he had a solid enough camp he probably is the backup at least yeah you know or at least is strongly in that conversation for the backup and instead uh just had a the the worst camp of anybody you know of any of the goalies in camp and was just like well now, now he has to go back to rochester we have no choice um you know, and then you're you're just kind of like, all right, Takarsky, Dell, Anderson, like, what's this fight gonna be like? It's like, it's like, it's a fight you don't even want to watch because you're just kind of like, man, the guy that we were kind of hoping was gonna take
1: this and run with it didn't. They are giving him a chance to succeed. I will this coming season. I will give the Sabers credit absolutely for their moves to make sure that Rochester Blue Line was much better than it was last season. Jeremy mm-hmm. Davies, Chase Prisky, Kale Clegg, Lawrence Pilot. It's going to be a much better nucleus of guys who can move the puck and help you get out of your zone. They struggled way too much in that respect last season. Mm -hmm. And with UPL, it's not like they brought in another Aaron Dell type. That was tough last season. I mean, there were times where UPL was sat for Aaron Dell as they were fighting for playoff positioning, where the schedule unfolded. You knew Dell was going to be that veteran presence that a lot of times can help a younger team. This time around, it's going to be Malcolm Subban, who I think is the ideal goalie partner. Of course, Subban's going to get games, you know, as any backup goalie will in the American League. But in terms of personality, in terms of where Malcolm's at in his career and, and what he's going to bring, I think that is a, just a perfect fit, you know, for a, a kid who's ultra serious and definitely too hard on himself probably at times like many other kids that age. It's nice to have that more laid back personality, like, like Malcolm. And, you know, it's not like you're going to have Seth Abbott prioritizing starts for Malcolm Subban over UPL. It's, it's right. a really good situation. I have to give them credit for, for making sure there was a good situation down there for UPL. Well, that is unless uh,
0: the, the fans in Rochester decide they want Subban warm. to play more and <laughs> make it, make it very obvious that they want that to be the case. But, uh, but you're right. Like that's Malcolm's Malcolm's. I mean, geez, you couldn't ask for like a better teammate. Yeah. Guy to, to have, I mean, crying out loud, like the, the way I I just think back to last season when, you know, he's, you know, he gets hurt and he's done for the year and it would be very easy to just kind of like, you know, you know, just, you know, casually hanging out around the team or maybe just, you know, not be involved or, you know, what have you. Cause it's, you know, contract was up after the year. Like, you know, you could just be very easy and just be like, all right, whatever, man, like I'm out of here anyways. So peace. No, he, he was very active in everything the team was doing. He was very present with everything. He was, you know, he was living at the hotel. I think, I think he was, I think he was living at the, the, uh, the, uh, the Harbor center Marriott. So he was there all the time and with the team all the time. So it was, it wasn't even like, it was a thing where, you know, he got hurt and it was, you know, out of sight, out of mind. It was, no, he was very active and, in in being with the team being part of the team like you know the you know the night he sings the anthem wasn't just because like they you know they brought him back for a night and just like hey man go crazy with it It it's like no he was hanging around and like everybody in the team knew he could sing but they were like crap he's gonna do the anthem okay let's see how this goes but like you know but like that's that's the sort of personality you need like you need somebody who's who's gonna be a you know a, a positive influence but also a motivator too because he you know he's not gonna he's not gonna just like roll over and just be like all right UPL you you, we know you got the starting job here like that's that's on you you know he's gonna play hard because he wants to get the NHL too.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a really good balance there because you you don't want that veteran who feels entitled to an NHL spot you you want one who who wants to earn one you know, where mm-hmm. that's that's certainly the the category that Malcolm Subban falls mm-hmm. under after a couple of, of difficult seasons. Uh yeah that
0: that other style sounds like. The I'm me there. No way. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds um, a little little accurate to what things appeared to be on the outside. That's – uh hmm. I don't know. It's uh yeah, but like whatever, he's gone. He's with the shark. And li- listen, he he might be the Sharks backup again. No, he's not going to be the Sharks backup again this year because like they traded Aiden Hill to er, to uh Vegas.
1: They've Strauss and, man. They've got a lot of goalies out there and
0: Capitals yeah, the
1: number one like yeah, saying, Reimer, Conklin, Mann, and Dell—I think—is their top four. But yeah, that's about the only thing interesting about that organization at the moment. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I, uh, well, until uh, William Eklund starts doing highlight goals, yeah. but I mean, I don't know. That, that's they've had, like that's like three or four fun players, and you know, that's about it. Like <laughs> shark, sharks on the downside, sharks on the on the backslide of of all the years of making the playoffs and everything is now like, it's, it's sad. It's, it's sad to watch. Cause it's like, it's like, here's Logan tour. Oh, I remember when he played with Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton. I remember those days. Yeah. He's Bill's like, fan. He, right. right, Yeah. Bill's fan. He loves talking about the bills when he comes to Buffalo all the time. Definitely. Definitely really loves having that conversation. No, he doesn't. He just goes, yeah, I'm a Bills fan. Yeah, well, tell us about it. No, I just like the Bills. Thanks. Thanks, Logan. That's a good jump in
1: there. This uh, is the last week, Joe. We're not going to have – well, no, we eliminated that gap. Now we're always going to have yeah. stuff to talk about. Prospects, challenge, roster should be next, although I can't imagine we'll have any surprises there. And it, and it no. To remind people, UPL won't be participating in that. He's, mm-hmm. he's it's too aged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's,
0: he's now on a second contract, so that's a no –
1: so, but yeah we'll go over so next week we'll go over that get ready for prospects challenge and training camp so all the fun is well underway
0: we'll have a we'll have to do a deep dive on whoever the goalies end up being for for them because it's not going to be anybody who's currently signed by the organization
1: back warm we'll, back, we'll, yeah he'll definitely be one he's the the guy they signed for Cincinnati it just i I assume the other one's gonna be a tryout guy somebody
0: somebody who was at Canisius last year that just stayed there <laughs> He's just graduated from Canisius and they're just kind of, ah, whatever, just get in there, buddy. Let's see what you got. Or
1: Definitely just... from the Western League or uh, the Q would be my guess. Yeah, that's how we
0: see. Yeah, OHL goalies, not always the way to go. I'm thinking, well, it's awkward to say with UPL being an OHL goalie, but uh, uh, never mind that. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Just disregard any any of that. But yeah, no, it's it's – it's here man it's september dude like
1: yeah it's hockey my like i hate to be the person who said who's saying that summer is over when technically it isn't but like in my mind that's man, done summer's yeah. summer's done so it's done
0: it was it was like i had shorts on the other night and i went outside and i was like oh maybe i shouldn't be wearing shorts right now and it was still like mid-60s and i was like maybe i throw the jeans on and I guess that's a hot take. I guess. I guess that's a hot take to be like at 65, you want to wear jeans? I, I don't know, man. Like, it finally felt like cool weather. Plus, also I live in a sauna, so you know any, anything under 80 degrees is is pleasantly cool. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's yeah, it's time, man. It is it is friggin' go time. I I I've been doing it. We 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 both been doing enough writing lately to know that it's go time because. Now it's like a, it's a daily check in of like, oh crap, what are we doing? You know, it's like, oh yeah, boy, we, you know, what what are we doing today? Okay, what's the story?
1: Already getting ready, tr- getting ready for a training camp in the season with preview stuff. So, uh, mm-hmm. can't yeah, and it's a, a normal season with reporters. Knock on wood, back in the back in the locker room. So. Yeah. Which oh, means man. better stories, better coverage for all. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for that part of it.
0: Better, better uh ball busting from the players on some of some of our some of us and our other favorite reporter friends too (laughs) part of the fun of being in the room is to hear the roasts of well well i'll okay i'll be obvious it's always paul hamilton and his ties those are that's what the roasts are almost always on game days and i respect a good holiday tie i yes especially when it's not a holiday That's uh I think that I think that I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. No, I I I can't I I can't bust Paul's chops too bad because uh Paul was very nice a few years ago to give me a bag full of ties. He's like, I'm never gonna wear these. And I was like, I was like, if you're giving me ties, how good are they? Oh my god, these are really nice ties. Holy crap. (laughs) I was like, Why don't you wanna wear these? He's like, I don't like them that much. And I was like, Are you sure? Because they're really nice. You you don't want to wear these? Nah, okay. I will. I, I wear them often. Thank you. See, Paul does have Paul does have some fashion on him. He just I know sometimes he just gives it to me, which I'm thankful for because, you know, who doesn't like free stuff? Right. Amen. <laughs> that's, that's, part of that's why this podcast is free. Everybody who doesn't like free stuff, you guys love free stuff because you're listening to us. That's that's why we love you. Right. Yeah, that's why we love you. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Right. Uh, we've we've hit our hour mark and we hit everything we needed to hit, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah,
1: we didn't we even go. have
0: to. Talk, we didn't have to talk about Michael Peck and yelling at Craig
1: Revey on Twitter, whether it's real or not. But. Yeah, Michael Peck was right. The 90-19 was good. Yes. Yeah. So.
0: Craig Revey's wrong because Hasek is a better goalie yeah.
1: than Marty Brodor. Sorry. Oh, yeah. sorry. sorry. Sorry, sorry, fanboys. It's, I wasn't even gonna waste the energy having that debate, but yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> Broder is not Broder behind Patrick Waugh for me as well. So yeah, uh, he might be behind.
0: And Devils fans will want to hang me in the streets for this one. He might be behind Henrik Lundqvist too. Woo! As, far as, I'm concerned. as far as I'm concerned, how many 11 save shutouts did Henrik Lundqvist ever have in his career? I bet the number zero. Or should I say, like under under 18 shot save? You know, under 18 save shutouts did he have? Lundquist never saw only 18 shots in a game. You kidding me? (laughs) He was under fire as much as Hasek was back in Buffalo days. You kidding me? Anyways, that... I should save these. I should save these bullets. Because Lance has now shut off his microphone. He's like, I disavow any Mike knowledge.
1: is Mike is on, camera is not. Camera's not working on the old, the old laptop. So <laughs> just, man, I can't I can't get I can't give you visual cues on what I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna do. So <laughs> that's
0: you can just text me them later and just be like, okay, all right, just it's it yeah, okay, man, whatever, dude. I'm, I'm a crazy person saying Lunquist better
1: than Brodeur. Kind of me. I think long kiss will, will go down as one of, if not the most underappreciated goalie of all time for how good he was. And I think yes. a big piece of that is for the reason you said. Those Rangers teams, it's not like he, he was facing more shots than Martin than Broder was. I'll just say that.
0: Surrounded with dog crap, too. Yeah, right?
1: that's a good way to put it.
0: Jeez, it took him until, what, 2014 to finally go to a Stanley Cup final? And he was, like, well into his 30s at that point? Like, come on. Yeah. He was their starting goalie from like 05, 06 on. You know, come on, man. Like that, it, I I don't think we're far enough away from Henrik retiring to, to like kind of digest like what his career was. And it's once people start getting happy to have that conversation, it's going to make, it's going to make the internet way more interesting because Rangers and Devils fans screaming at each other is never, well, it's never great, but it's, it's, it's more entertaining at least, but because, you know, because it's it's the New York City area just fighting each other and it's like yeah just everybody just beat beat the crap out of each other it's fine. Yeah. Thankfully
1: yeah, I, I like stay that. away from that corner of that corner of the internet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to pop the popcorn and watch it go down though yeah, that's that's, man, that's the I, more entertaining part.
1: Uh, I see enough on Saber's Twitter to, to oh, have man. my to have my fill so. <laughs> well that 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 almost hits home a little too close where it's kind of like alright guys just freaking relax
0: <laughs> just that's enough like you want to you want to be like the the you know the guy. Is the a bar fight going on. You want to be the guy stepping. In? It's, ah, it's enough, guys.
1: All right, Let's, uh, relax. We don't. We we don't need to hear this. It's it's fine. It's like the Jackie Moon GIF from the movie Semi Pro when he's in front of the bus and he yells back to everybody. Everybody love everybody.
0: <laughs> everybody <laughs> yeah, love everybody. Yeah, you hear that? Sabers Twitter. Everybody love everybody, and they've already they've already shut off the podcast. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fine. They're not listening to us preach about that they're done everybody they're 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 like they tuned out after we stopped talking about the jerseys let's let's be real well maybe they hung around for tage talk i don't know we do have good numbers of people that hang on so apologies to those that are actually still here those people (laughs) that ditched they're the problem they're the ones that screwed up you can tell them that that's fine anyways before i make everybody mad uh lance uh, Lance, let everybody uh, know where on the internet they can find you and, and find your work.
1: Thanks, Joe. On Twitter, L-L-Y-S-O-W-S-K-I, and in the Buffalo News, in print and online. Thank you all for reading and following along during the summer. Um, looking forward it all starting. Joe, tell everybody where they can find you.
0: Well, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Yurden, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. Uh, you can find my scribblings at Bleacher Report in many, many forms and, and justifications. Uh, also die by the blade. Uh, Also noted hockey. Uh, I think that's everywhere. Oh, the McKean's yearbook coming out very soon. You can read it there. Uh, I've got the Sabres preview uh, player previews for that. So, it's a lot of places to find writing now. It's which is an it's a good thing for us because that means we're doing stuff and we like that. Uh, Lance, thank you. This was fun as always, and boy oh boy, it's nice to have stuff to talk about. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. We we appreciate and and love you guys for doing that, and uh, we will catch you again next.